I'm Matt Hagman. This is Opportunity Miami, a podcast about the people and ideas shaping Miami's economic future. It's often said that talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And that's especially true when it comes to technology, but it doesn't have to be that way. And the person with us today is working to write a new future, Jackie Wright, the Chief Digital Officer for Microsoft US. Jackie Wright, welcome. Thank you, Matt, nice to be here. And this is our very first podcast in our new studio at Beacon Council and couldn't be more excited to be doing it with you. So thank you very thank much. Thank you. Quite impressive, I might it's, add. It's pretty cool, yeah, right? It it's pretty cool. Nice. So I want to start, you know, local, we'll zoom out and then we'll come back. You know, you bring a really unique perspective um, that a, you bring a global perspective. You split time between the UK and here in South Florida and travel all over the world. Um, but, you know, Miami has been going through a moment. Um, okay. Miami's becoming a tech hub in its own right. Your thoughts on this moment that Miami's in? Yeah, and you know, I had a discussion yesterday with a company and they asked me, well, how do you expand in the US? And I said, start with Miami, because Miami for sure is becoming a tech hub in ways, you know, gateway to Latin America, um, just quality of life. Um, we're attracting people from all over the country and all over the world. And I just think, as you think about what we have to offer, what better place to be than in South Florida? So yes, I think it's a hub. I think you see a flurry of activity, innovation, startups, VC community, investment firms, big ones coming down and saying, wait, this is an opportunity. We just have to make sure that we're doing this in a way that is right for all. But yes, I'm excited about what we have here. So cool to hear. Now, when you first moved to South Florida, um, did you expect that you'd find yourself saying what you just said about South Florida? Absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think um, it, it is almost like a rest and vest and wait kind of place when you thought about it. You used, used to say to people, we're moving to Florida. They're like, are you retiring? Why are you moving to Florida? But now you say it, they say, yes, it's really exciting. And there's so much going on here. And it is, it's a place that people want to be. Yeah. People want to really be here now. And I think as you think about the future and you think about what tech does for a community and how it creates a whole new ecosystem and really builds economic development in a community, I just think we are at the cusp of what, what we're going to see here. And, and Microsoft in many respects is, I'm, maybe I'm putting this too strong, sort of doubling down on Miami. I mean, you're, you're now going to actually from just a few blocks from where we are here in our, in our Brickle offices and in the city of Miami, uh, you will be establishing a very visible and real presence here in Miami. You already have, you know, long had a presence in Broward County. Absolutely, and and with the with the thought process being, as you know, I kind of discussed this gateway to Latin America, the attraction of talent, creating a community of engineers. I mean, we don't really think about Miami having engineering community, and then an innovation hub where people can actually innovate, ideate. I, I, I just think it's an exciting time to be in Miami and Microsoft thinks think so also. Well, we're glad you're here. We're glad you, you call Miami home, at least for part of the year. That's right. The, uh, so let's zoom out for a second. You know, uh, in so many ways, you know, as, as we've talked before, 
um, as we think about the future and our think about our economic future. In so many ways, it's sort of a, uh, you know, a talent and sustainability game, right? Uh, and for this conversation, really leaning, you know, we'll really lean in on talent. Um, you know, and, and for Microsoft, you know, here you are, one of the largest companies in the world, I think right now at over $2 trillion valuation. Uh, you know, as we have our top three list of biggest companies in the world right now in terms of valuation, Microsoft's on that list. Um, you know, and your business, of course, is around selling software and services and cloud storage and all of that. But a couple of years ago, two years ago, I guess, you decided to launch the Microsoft Accelerate program, really focusing on leveling up in communities across um, the U.S., including Miami. Why did you all, why did Microsoft, why did you decide to dive in to this effort around talent development? So, so let's talk about our mission for a second, yeah. right? Our mission is really about empowering every person in, in this planet to achieve more. And it's every, right? That's the operative word, every. And you can't do that unless you're a company that's focused on making sure that everyone can participate. And so as part of that, how do you level up? How do you create equity? Because equity is what it's about. And talent, you know, talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And so you've got to figure out you, your role as a company in really helping that. And so we've decided, we decided that skilling, I mean, we always had skilling as part of our charter, but skilling and creating a community of economic development, making sure that the community benefits from that has been at the heart of this program. And so it's about going into a community, creating partnerships, small and medium businesses, academia, public sector, private corporations to really say, how do we create pathways to employment? Alternative pathways to employment, which may not be the traditional ones. Mm -hmm. um, how do we make sure that the wraparound service is required if you are from a low socioeconomic, if you're a young mother, you know, if you don't have a device, how can you provide some of those services to then enable someone to learn, upskill, reskill, and create alternate pathways to employment. Really important when you think about, again, the everyone, and you want to ensure that everyone participates and equity is at the core. 100%. You know, in so many ways, it feels like as communities you know, have, and, and local economies have become more tech-enabled and as tech hubs have developed, in so many ways, it feels like oftentimes it sort of hastens uh, the, uh, the inequality we see in a community rather than eases it. And of course, Miami is a place, if we had our top 10 list, if we have our top five lists, you and I are both people who love Miami and South Florida, but you know, in terms of inequality, Miami's on those lists. Absolutely. Um, and, and so, and technology, the risk is that it only makes it worse. What do you see, and what are the, as we think about this challenge in front of us, um, what do you see as the primary obstacles? What have been those things that have really stood in the way? I look at Wynwood as an example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 10 years ago, you wouldn't even want to be in that neighborhood, right? Let's be frank. Sure. Um, and we have, through policy, through government, we have created a community that now everybody wants to thrive. I mean, again, big companies are even going into that. And you've displaced a whole community. Um, and so the obstacles to that is, as you create and shape policy, how do you ensure that the policy is inclusive? Yeah. When you think about attracting companies, attracting business, and setting up trade agreements, tariffs, or you know, all of these things, how do you ensure you do that with equity in mind? Which says as part of that, 
your responsibility is to educate. Your responsibility is to hire within community. Your responsibility is to look at the economic um, demographics of your community that you're in and ensure that everyone can be a part of it. So policy um, is, 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 a, is a critical, critical. is critical for that. Um, there are barriers to education, yeah. um, how people learn. Today, we have traditional ways of learning. We need, to, we need immersive experiences. We need our children and, and, and those who are not exposed to understand what and who they can be. And how do you create that in a digital world? I mean, how do you use digital to do that? If we look at places like the underline, where we have reimagining spaces, yeah. right? how do you ensure that as part of that, you're including those who are less fortunate to build their educational awareness around the things that they can do and can be. It, the barriers are, are, are vast, yeah. um, but I think the opportunity is vast. It's even well. greater. That's yeah, it, absolutely. And so in, in, in thinking about Microsoft Accelerate and how you approach it, are, are some of the ways that trying to reduce barriers around cost, removing costs, uh, around proximity, having in places that are closer to people. How do you, how in terms of implementing Microsoft Accelerate here in Miami, and of course last October, that you know was the announcement and launching uh, Accelerate Miami, but of course you're doing it in other communities around the country as well. How are you thinking about sort of tackling some of those, those challenges? So if you, we use the example in Little Haiti yeah. and what we're doing there with Father Reggie, um, really going in and creating curricula that is fit for purpose as you think about what are the new jobs and skills required, providing equipment um, to be able to enable the folks to, to really have a device and have, have, a, have a facility by which they can learn, um, understanding some of the barriers, the language barriers, and how do we provide some of the you know, step function changes so that they're enabled to work in the language that they're comfortable with and then help them. I mean, those are a few things. And when you think, again, it's all about the ecosystem, yeah. right? And then you have small and medium businesses that are there, large corporations, who are committing to not just invest, but committing to employment. And it takes a whole community. And so it is a community-focused effort with services surrounding it, and then really understanding the data to make sure that you're gauging progress and progress is being made. And, and the model is also built on, if I understand correctly, on partnership. That trying to partner with local groups that care about this and are really leaning in on this. A absolutely. And really, you know, some of the small and medium learning partners, really utilizing them in community because they understand the nuances of a community. They understand the barriers for that community and can really highlight those barriers that we need to think about, we as the ecosystem, so that we can create those pathways. Now, in thinking about talent development efforts across the community, how much does it require sort of a constant reevaluation in terms of the skills that are being taught? And by that, I mean it's, you know, oftentimes there's sort of this tension between the skills an employer is seeking and the skills that an educational institution is teaching. In this case, we have the employer <laughs> that is sort of leading the efforts around teaching, but talk a little bit about that, that tension um, and how they're constantly staying relevant in terms of the skills. So data is at the core of this, right? Yeah. You use data to inform you, to educate you on what is working, what the needs are of a community. I mean, if you look at the demographics of South Florida, heavily service-based industry um, in this community, healthcare in this industry. And so what are the personas that are actually needed in this community? Um, and how do you ensure what understanding the skills for that? 
So you use the data and you use economic development organizations such as Beacon Council, Opportunity Miami, to really help in partnership inform what the things are that are needed in this community. So it, again, you know, it takes a whole ecosystem, it takes data, and the measurements should be focused on that. And as you think about Microsoft, I mean, obviously with Microsoft Accelerate, people are going into all different sorts of places and lines of work within technology. But in terms of Microsoft, what are those skills typically you're looking for? I imagine they're both hard skills, but also the soft skills. Too. Absolutely. You know, the, you could talk about the, the skills relative to coding, you know, whether it be a Python, you could talk about cloud, you could call networking, cybersecurity. Um, there's a whole dearth of technical skills required. But then you're right. There are these soft skills, which is all about curiosity, the ability to collaborate, um, having this, the listening skills, um, all of these types of skills, you know, the ability to fail fast, um, understand risks, all of these skills are the skills we also have to teach, right? Communication, sure. uh, and, and those go hand in hand in terms of enabling people to thrive in a community, in a culture, in a corporation, or even starting their own businesses as they start to sell. And so, how, well that actually, and you mentioned sales, and as in thinking about tech education, does that actually go beyond coding? I mean, you can have a very successful career in sales working in technology. It goes beyond coding, and uh, absolutely. And when you, technology is at the core of everything you do. Whether you're a nurse and you have to understand the meds, you have to understand the care, duty of care, whether you're a doctor, whether you're in the manufacturing on the shop floor, technology spans all of those things. So the ability to understand the technical requirements, the digital needs of a role, is, is really important as you think about the skilling required to then create the right capability for the role at hand. Now, as we, and as community general, let's just, let's take, you know, Miami and South Florida, as we think about ways to build a truly diverse, skilled workforce, and really do think that that's, that is South Florida's great opportunity, right? In a community where 54% of the population uh, is, uh, is born outside the U.S. This is a uni uniquely diverse place and with skilled development efforts can build a uniquely diverse skilled workforce that really could be differentiated um, from most communities, certainly across the US, even globally in many respects. But as we think about that, how much of a challenge also is not only skill development, but also connecting job seeker to job, uh, to employer and employer to job seeker. You own LinkedIn. That's right. Um, and is that, and is for communities like Miami really trying to lean into this, is that a key part that we really need to be thinking about? So let's go all the way back, right? We can talk about the matching, but if we don't have the right skills even in the community and this communities, those communities where education is not where it should be, how do, make, how do we make sure we understand that? I mean, we have zip codes where if you look at the average graduation rate, it's really poor. Um, the average literacy, poor. Um, so you really need to double down in those communities to focus on how you ensure that they get the right skills, the digital fluency, the education, the ability to get access to the opportunities yeah. through LinkedIn, through having the right device, who are having the right um, internships, apprenticeship programs, and, and employers making sure that they know that it's their duty to go into those communities and ensure that they have the right talent and that they can source the talent. Um, you know, as we think about 
as we think about, particularly, you know, there are enormous inequities around, uh, around gender, around race and tech. Um, and while there are efforts to upskill across our entire community, does this really require trying to be very targeted about specific populations, particularly as we think about race and gender? Absolutely. Um, if you look at the stats, you will see that there are less women going into STEM than they were even 10 years ago, which speaks to intervention required. Um, and intervention in terms of understanding those barriers, understanding what, it, what the needs are to be more inclusive, um, and really speaking and communicating, telling the story, um, and highlighting and showcasing women who have succeeded. Um, every woman in, in a senior position, every person, every person of color, what they do is indicative for the race and the gender. Yeah. Pros and cons. And so this role modeling and this ability to showcase uh, is, is at the heart of helping young folks really understand and see that they, can, they too can be. And, and, and you talk about interventions. In so many ways, is it also sort of required sort of along the journey, not just sort of getting people in and focused, but sustaining it? I mean, there, I think if I'm remembering correctly, I've seen data showing that, you know, in terms of particularly as it relates to gender, but this may relate to race too, um, is that you'll see you know, bigger numbers in terms of starting engineering programs in colleges, for example, and then they'll actually decline over time. Absolutely, yeah. and, and, the, and that, re that gets back to the culture of the environment by which you're working in. You know, the culture has to be an inclusive, it has to nurture. You have to understand the nuances relative to someone feeling like they're the only one at, in the, at the table and not being included. They're not bringing their authentic self to work because they don't feel they can. They can't speak about, you know, whether they're going to have a baby or whether they, they you know, they need to take time off because of mental health and well-being. These are the barriers that need to be overcome. And those, those are inherent. Those are structural. In, in organizations, and we need to overcome those. How many places, um, or are there any places that are doing this well? Or is sort of the, 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 um, the aspiration to be creating, to be using tech and tech uh, skills development as something that can drive social mobility, that can end this reality of zip code being destiny? Um, have we seen any places, and let's just have a global perspective, have we seen any places that are models and doing this well, or not really? I don't think we have any one community area, postal code, zip code, whatever, that is really doing it well. Mm. But there are communities that really are focused on understanding the what and the how. And you can, we can use, I mean, I can use Atlanta as an example mm -hmm. of where we, really where we really see this focus on an ecosystem really coming together, um, whether it be in a zip code, whether it be in a university, whether it be with certain employers, to really create a holistic system around pathways to employment and social mobility. I also think that as you think about Miami, we need to use more of our, our muscle in holding corporations and companies accountable. Let's uh, talk more about that. Well, I mean, let, let, let's be frank. We have, we have over 900 people moving to Florida a day. Right. But we have people in this community that can barely eat. Um, crime is, is, is 
rampant in certain zip codes and areas. And when you think about the educational system, is it fit for purpose? You have to ask yourself these things. Are we providing the right types of training? So I, I think the only way that we can solve this is really as people start to move into Miami, we become more of a destination. We're taking an approach that says, as we become a destination, we pull everyone along, including those who are less fortunate in the community. And and your point is speaking as, as the chief digital officer uh, uh, for Microsoft is, is that corporates need to help to be if I'm hearing correctly, even a higher standard. Higher standard, and I'm speaking as Jackie first. Uh, yes, of course, absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I think every corporation should recognize, I mean, this war for talent is real. So every corporation recognizes the only way to access and get talent is to make sure you're going into places where you never did before, right? You're sourcing from, from pools that you never sourced before. And that is the opportunity. And every com company has a responsibility to do that. And under the banner of ESG, uh, we need to figure out how we measure that. And and two, I mean, the example you're setting is that corporations themselves need to lean into talent development, not just be relying on our educational system to do it. Absolutely, because one thing is the educational system who thinks they know what the needs are, and corporations who actually know because they're the ones hiring. And that partnership has to be a symbiotic relationship throughout the life cycle. You know, we've seen this interesting, as we're talking about ways to to drive talent development across the community. We, of course, have our traditional educational ecosystem, our colleges, our universities, um, but a growing non-traditional ecosystem. Boot camps, certificate programs, apprenticeship programs, major corporations, globally leading corporations leaning in. How do you think about this? Are there some lessons in terms of approaches that are working particularly well? Or are we, and we should sort of focus on those specific ones, or is sort of a kitchen sink approach in terms of how we tackle this, sort of what's required right now? I think it's both. Yeah. Um, so let's use cybersecurity as an example. Um, we recognize that cybersecurity is, is a skill emerging field where we need more people. So we focus and we put extra training, we develop extra curricula around it, and then we go into a community in partnership with a corporation or in partnership with a university and say, we are providing the, the requisite skills training for you. You conduct that training and then we get what we want. And so, yes, it is a combination of those things. So it's really an all of the, all of the above approach. It has to be. Um, the, so, and thinking about sort of the road ahead for Miami, um, uh, what do you think should be sort of top of mind? I mean, obviously top of mind, we've talked about big, the headlines around talent development and sustainability, and particularly talent development that drives social mobility. But are there particular areas within that that our leaders should really be focusing on from your perch? So I, I am gonna go on the sustainability preach because, because this is a, you know, a, a rich, biodiverse community, environmentally, um, we're environmental where we really need to focus on erosion, water, you know, carbon, energy, as, as it becomes more of an urban environment, all of those things become heightened, right? Mm -hmm. And you start to get more pollution, you, you, you have more waste, um, and all of those things need to be at the top of your agenda or else mm -hmm. you will not have Miami as we know it today. So I, to answer your question, what do I think? I think sustainability has to go hand in hand with our ability to, to attract businesses here, source talent, 
and have social mobility at the core. Yeah, I mean, in so many ways, it, 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 it feels like, I mean, we need to make this switch and seeing sustainability as an economic driver, not an economic impediment. I, I, absolutely. And, as I, I, you know, I go back to, I, keep, I know I, I focused on the underline, but just think about reuse of spaces, right? It becomes more urban, less usable space, reimagining that. Rooftops, what can we do with rooftops? How can we make sure there's more green? in Miami as we started to create a concrete jungle in effect, <laughs> uh, you know? And, and then how do you ensure that you, you have a service industry where the people who are servicing you can't live in that community because the rent's so high? So where do you find the space to really house people with affordable housing? I mean, there's just so many factors in here that we need to solve for. And with that in mind, with so many things that we have to solve for, um, and as we think about this road ahead, for Miami and South Florida, for the world. Um, are you optimistic? I am cautiously optimistic. You know, I, you know I, at the heart of what we're seeing with ESG, we're seeing a moral compass that people didn't have before. I think there's, there's an element of it bringing people together. There's also an element of it creating a, a divisive country and a divisive world. But at the heart of it, the existential problems are everyone's problems. And the pandemic has, done, if it's done nothing, it's shown us that when one side of the world sneezes, the other side catches a cold. So this pandemic has shown us we need each other. We need to solve for the macro level problems together. And so I think I'm optimistic that, you know, recognizing that macro level solving through partnership, global research, you name it, is, is the key, is the key to our future. And I'm hopeful that that that, that we, we will continue in that vein. Mm. Well, before we wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about you. No, we don't. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that is just, would love to hear. I mean, you are, um, you are one of the leading uh, women black executives in tech in the world. Um, and of course, tech, as we know, uh, is where we see enormous inequities around both race and gender. Um, just talk a little bit about, love to hear about, and I think you know, our listeners and viewers would love to hear about, um, what have been the primary challenges in your career? Primary, uh, and they continue. I mean, they, they manifest themselves in different ways now, but primary it is, how do I make sure that I'm doing what I want to do for myself and what I want to do for people at large? And that has been a dilemma, right? Because I've been the only one at the, in the room, I've had to influence in ways where I had to draw on the muscle of EQ because without that, all I am is a black person where people have preconceived notions of who I am, what my abilities are, how far I can go. And I've had to figure out how to break those barriers and those silos down. Um, so I think as I think about who I am and what, what, what has been my charter, my charter is to open the window, climb through it and pull people through. And how can I do that? What's the best way for me to do that? And that's been... That's been my entire life. And what would you say uh, advice that you would give for this next generation coming up? That, I mean, you're, you have still a long career ahead, <laughs> uh, but for the next Jackie Wrights That's and right. others coming up, um, what would you say to them? Uh, there are a few key things. Um, the world is your oyster, number one. Remember what your moral compass is. Drive with passion, pay it forward. Remember that you are in it for everyone. 
and, and, and just enjoy life. I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> there are so many things that you could be focused on um, and making sure that you are bringing your whole self, your mental and health well-being is at the core of that because if you can't be yourself, if you don't put the oxygen mask on yourself, you can't do anything else. Those are the key things that I think um, that our next generation, I think they're starting to do it. You know, they're speaking up. They are telling you what's important to them. And they, are, they have expectations that are far greater than the expectations I had. And so I think as if we continue to, to nurture what they believe in, what they want to do, I think we'll be, we'll, we'll be a great world if we can do that. Mm, that is so good. All right. To wrap up, we always like to wrap up with three takeaways. And as we're thinking about, you know, Miami, South Florida, communities in general, people that want to do what we're talking about, building truly diverse, uh, socially mobile communities um, and, play, and communities that are social. What are some, you know, three things that, that come to mind that we should be thinking about? Well, I think for starters, Miami, South Florida has to be one of the most diverse communities in this country. Yeah. And if so, and if not in the world. Uh, and so one is how do, how do you harness the power of everyone? Mm. How do you make sure that you're bringing along everyone? Mm -hmm. And then how do we make sure that we are the model for what the world should look like from a sustainability perspective for everyone. That would be it for me. Awesome. Jackie Wright, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. This podcast was produced by Suzette LaVoy and James Duran. Special thanks to Clutch Content Partners. Please check us out at opportunity.miami and across our social channels. We want to hear from you and your ideas. You can also email us at next at opportunity.miami. Thanks. Thank you.